Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. Hey, we're in week number 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 four of the sermon series, Samsonite, Samsonite. And uh, if you haven't been here, we're going through the story of Samson. Really, really excited. I got to be honest with you, really excited. Uh, we're going to do one more week in, in Samson, and then we're going to do a sermon series that I've been waiting since 2010 to do. We wrote it down on our board. We have a little whiteboard of sermon series ideas. And I was like, the next time the Phillies are good, we're going to do a sermon series called Church for the Ill, because the Bible says that, you know, the ill for the Philadelphia, the Bible says that Jesus came for the sick and not the healthy. So I was like, the next time the Phillies are good, which I assume would be next year, which 2011, we're going to do the sermon series, All Gospel, and here it is, 2022. And so I'm super excited to do it. We're going to make t-shirts, copyright infringement, pray for forgiveness, all that stuff. And so <laughs> this is where we're at. And so, but for the next two weeks, I want to wrap this sermon series up on Samson, talking to you about areas that, if you're not careful, will lead you away from who God has called you to be. Today is one of the, is one of, is one of the I think, one of the most significant, one of the most applicable, probably one that's going to be attached to more people's lives than we already, already know. In fact, uh, I, I was studying this week, and I read an article uh, where they interviewed a bunch of Christian counselors. They said, you know, how many people struggle with what we're going to talk about today. How many people struggle with this? When they come in, they need, they need advice, they need life, life, all this stuff. They said about 50%. 50% of the people that we see struggle with this. And uh, I want to make sure you understand what I'm about to talk to you about is always going to be a part of our lives. It's, it's, it, it's, it's an emotion that God has given us that when it's directed correctly is powerful, but about 99.9% of the time, it's, it's sinful and leads us further away from the Lord, destroys relationships, uh, causes bitterness, causes us to have like all the things that we struggle with. And the, the, the sad thing is every time we get put into a negative situation, this, this is most of the time for most of us, our default negative emotion. I want to talk to you about anger. Anger, anger today. Anger. And here's the thing. You're, there's a difference in your life. I was thinking about this. Between getting angry and giving into anger. Are you tracking with me? Because getting angry is part of our lives. Anybody ever pull into Wawa? There's 1,700 pumps. And you pull into the one pump that's out of order. Or even worse, the gas is trickling out. You're watching cars come by you like NASCAR, and you're trickling $2, $2.30, and you got to be somewhere. Anybody get angry there? Anybody ever, uh, ever tried to pull into a parking spot and clearly had your turn signal on to pull into that parking spot, and somebody whips in ahead of you? Anybody ever get angry? Anybody have kids? You ever have to tell them do something multiple times? Same thing. Get angry. Anybody have a husband in here? We are professionals. It seems like I'm making our wives angry, right? Like anger is just a part of our lives. I mean, anybody been through some stuff in your life that you're, I mean, if you're more honest, you're just angry about. Sometimes we even get ang angry at God. Like we're just, I'm just angry. I'm angry that you let that happen. I'm angry that I don't understand why you would do that. I just get I just get angry. Anger is just a part of our lives, but there's a difference between getting angry and giving into anger. 
right? G- giving into anger. They, 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 they change. Like getting angry is one thing. Giving into it, it, it causes a ripple effect. It causes problems in your life. In fact, years ago, I read this story about a, a NASA uh, astronaut, you know, an amazingly gifted, smart, trained woman named Lisa Novak. I believe you can look up her story, but uh, she was dating somebody and uh, they broke up. And this guy started dating another, 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 another woman, and the woman lived in a, in a different state, and she got so angry at this, this, this situation, this woman, that in her head, her, her, her decision was, I'm going to go confront this woman, and I'm going to give her a piece of my mind. She's ruining this relationship that I could have had with this guy. And so she got in her car, she went into the supplies at NASA, she strapped on a NASA-certified diaper, and she drove 18 hours because, listen, she didn't have time to stop because she was so mad on the way she got pulled over with poop in her diaper this is the result of anger poop follows if I can say that in church (laughs) situations arrive Uh, people get hurt relationships are broken some of you in your anger you've allowed a relationship to be broken like I'm never talking to them again some of your marriages are falling apart because you've given into anger. Some of your kids are, 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 are struggling because you're struggling with anger. Some of you in your career, like, I'm quitting my job because I'm angry at my boss. I'm angry. Some of you won't call a parent. You refuse because you're angry at them. I'm not going home for Thanksgiving. I'm not talking to my sibling. Why? Because I'm, I've given into anger. Some of you stay away from church because you're angry at God. You're you're creating distance between you and God. I'm angry at this situation. And the problem is anger at the end of it, it costs you. In fact, I was reminded of of that uh, because oftentimes we blow anger out of you know, proportion, and we end up costing us. But I read about a, a story a little bit ago where uh, they found 300 beached whales in Seattle 15 years ago, something like that. I didn't know why. That was, you know, kind of common to see a beach whale from time to time. They would come in with the, the high tide and then get stuck. And, you know, sometimes they would die, but oftentimes they could get them back into the ocean and save their lives. But they found 300 beach whales on a, on a beach in Seattle uh, one, one time. And uh, they, they off, the, off the coast of, uh, does Seattle have a coast? Washington, whatever it is. And so uh, the coast somewhere there. And so, and they found these, 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 these whales and they didn't have time to get them back in the water. They died. So they sent a marine biologist out and uh, wanted to figure out what happened. That's problem. 300 dead whales on the, on the beach. And we want to figure out what happened. What brought them into the ocean? We want to make sure we, this doesn't happen again. And what they found out is there was a school of sardines swimming close to the ocean that attracted these massive whales to try to eat them. You guys know how big sardines are? They're, they're little, right? They're just little. And these, these whales, in an attempt to get these little sardines, will come up on the beach. The water washed away and the whales died. And this is, this is, like, I don't want to belittle your anger, but you're the whale in that situation. You're, you're, you're chasing. That's why I called this sermon series, Chasing Anger. You're chasing something in your life that looks much bigger than it is, that look, looks much life-altering that, that it was. And you're, you're allowing yourself to be on a, on a beach somewhere, proverbially dying because of your anger, because you're chasing you're chasing it. In fact, here's what scripture says. I love this. And the Bible talks a lot about anger, but Psalms 37 says, refrain from anger. Turn from wrath. Refrain from anger. Turn from wrath. Do not fret. What does it do? It only leads to evil. Now, I'm going to show you this in the story of Samson. If you've been with us, you know, Samson is in Judges 13, 14, 15, and 16. And we're going to get to 
the most popular part of the life of Samson next week, Samson and Delilah. And I'm going to talk to you about relationships. It's going to be, I'm excited to talk about it. This is probably his greatest downfall was his inability to say no to the wrong person, right? And so, but it started in Judges chapter 14 when he laid eyes on his first wife, uh, and he says, I want to marry her even though she's a Philistine woman. And if you haven't been here, God sent him to defeat the Philistines, so he was not supposed to be friends with them. Remember, we've worked through different issues in the life of Samson. He wasn't supposed to touch dead things we talked about last week. He ate the honey out of the line. You guys remember that whole thing? But I want to show you where I think his life gets really dark. I want to show you the situation. Judges chapter 14, the Bible says that it's time for him to get married, and he didn't have a wedding party, so they picked 30 men. That's a huge wedding party. If you're a man that has daughters, that's expensive, right? Like, you're feeding a lot of people. So they picked 30 30 guys to be his wedding party. He's not friends with them. They're Philistines. In fact, he doesn't like them. And so Samson lets a little bit of ego get in the way. You ever been around a bunch of guys? We always let ego get in the way. He lets ego get in the way, and he starts bragging about killing the lion and and, and eating the honey out of it, but he does so in a competition through a riddle. And here's the riddle that he shares them. He says, here, let me give you a riddle. If you, serve, if you solve the riddle, I'll buy you this, I'll give you this. If, I, if you don't, you're going to owe me, owe me this, right? And so the Bible says that he gives them this riddle. Out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, something sweet. The Bible says for three days they couldn't figure it out. Now we know because we know the story. He's talking about the line. He's bragging about it. He's humble bragging. He's just putting it out there. He's fishing, right? Like he wants them to ask him so he can brag. Hey, I ripped this line apart and you know, here's the picture, all that stuff. And so, and I ate the honey and they can't figure it out. They get mad. They go to his, 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 his almost wife and they say, hey, you got to figure, you got to tell him. You got to figure out what it is. You got to get him to tell you so, so we can do it. And she goes and she does what she does because she's a Philistine. And Samson is Samson. You're going to see this next week. He sees the, the, you know, the, the eyes and she's just looking at him and just Samson. And he tells her it's the lion and it's the honey. And she goes and she tells the guys. And this is, this is what happens. Judges chapter 14. It says, before sunset on the seventh day, the men in the town said to him, what is sweeter than honey and what is stronger than a lion? It's honey and a lion, they said. And Samson says, I love this. This is hilarious. He says, if you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle. Let me just give you a side sermon. <laughs> you don't plow with another man's wife, and you don't call your wife a heifer, right? Not a new wife, not an old wife, not a dead wife. You never, ever call your wife. He calls his wife a heifer. That's a different sermon, though, right? The Bible says, if you're not plowed my heifer, then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. He went down to Ashkelon, struck down 30 of their men, stripped them every of everything, and gave their clothes to those who had explained the riddle. Burning with anger, he returned to his father's home. He goes and finds 30 innocent men, kills them, takes their clothes, pays off the bet that he had, he, had, he had said. He burns with anger. He leaves his new wife, goes back to his father's home. And it gets even worse. Verse number 20 says, and Samson's wife was given to one of his companions who had, who had attended him at the feast. So very common. You're not here. We have a wedding. We got a throne. You know, groom's not here. Now you want to get married today? Yeah, sure. And he marries her off. And here's what I found. In an angry, angering situation, we do one of two things. And this is what I've, I've seen. Um, this is what I've heard. This is what I've listened to in sermons. This is what I've experienced in my own life. Like I've just, we, we respond one of two ways to anger. First thing we do oftentimes is we spew anger. We spew. Now I love that word spew because when you throw up, do you care where it goes? You just want to get it out. 
Like some of you have kids, you know, like one of your kids cannot get it in, the, in, the, in, the, in, a, in a can, in a toilet. They just go in their bed. Where else should I? Like this is the perfect spot in my bed, right? And you just go. Like if you, when, you, when you're sick, you just want to get it out, right? And this is what happens. Some of us, we're like, I'm, I'm angry and it's going to make me feel better. It's to blow up. Punch something, you know, put a hole in the wall, throw something, smack something, right? Drive fast, just spew, say something. I, gotta, I just got to let it out. And then you walk away and you come back hours later, you're like, you all right? And like, no, I feel better, don't you? No, you just spewed all over me. I still smell like your spiritual throw up. And this is how some of us react. We just, we just fly off the handle. We're like, it's fine. And there's collateral damage. Others of us right now, we're stewing in our anger. We don't even show it. We're just we, like Samson. You went home, and uh, we just stayed angry. Started thinking about all the things that have been done to you. Think about you. You, you ever replay stuff in your head? Like you're, you're you're angry, and then you get better, and then you think about it again. Like I'm so angry again. And then you try to even have a conversation with the person, but as you're having the conversation with the person, you're replaying the tapes in your head of what they said to you, of their facial expressions of the words, and you just stew on it. Some of you right now, you're in a situation with something in your life, and you're thinking about it right now. You're like, yeah, they're lucky they're not here. You can't even think about Jesus right now. You're just, you're just stewing it. Some of you, it's your childhood. Like, you're just stewing it. Like, I don't know about you. I hate the word stew. I hate stew, period, right? Like, I despise. You put a bunch of stuff in a thing, and you boil it until everything tastes the same. That's what stew is. And some of you, some, your, your life is spiritual stew. You know why? Everything in your life is affected by it. Every relationship, your lack of trust, your lack of ability to see goodness in the future, your kids are affected by it, your husband, your wife are affected by it, your new boss is affected by the way the old boss treated you, you're, you everything about you, you're, you're, you carry yourself in, in school, you treat people a certain way because of how, what's been done to you, and you, you stew or, or, or you spew. And I want to show you this in the life of Samson, because this costs him everything. If he would have just went home and thought to himself, okay, I messed up. But I'm never going back to, to, to that town. I'm not going back to that wife. I, I, I got to follow what God has said to do. I got to stop touching dead things. I got to stop drinking. I got to never cut my hair. I got to get back on, on, in, in towards repentance. I got to begin to follow the Lord. But he does none of that. What does he do? He stews in his anger. And then he's going to go back to, to where, where he was angry. And he's just going to let it out. I want, I, want, I want you to see what happens. Because everything falls apart in this next part. Chapter 15, the Bible says later on. At the time of the wheat harvest, Samson took a young goat and went to visit his wife. Some of you bring flowers. Some of you bring chocolates. Some of you pay for a nice date, make a reservation at a restaurant, go to Cancun. Samson brought a goat to make things right with his wife. I'm sorry, honey. And he looks at his father-in-law. He says, I'm going to go see my wife. I'm going to go to her room. I got a goat for her, right? But her father would not let him go in. I was so sure you hated her, he said that I gave her to your companion. Isn't her younger sister more attractive anyways? Take her instead. You can just see him, the, the, the veins in his neck are bulging. He has a goat in his hand, he's carrying it like a, like a purse, right? Like he's walking up with the goat. He wants to go in and see his wife. I brought her a goat, right? I, I'm sorry, I wanna make things right. And what, is, what does the father say? Sorry when you left, I married her off. Hey, but no problem. Here's his, here's his young, she's prettier anyways. 
I mean, Samson is irate. Watch what happens in this situation. The, the, the Bible says that, t- that Samson says to him, this time I have the right to get even with the Philistines. I'm going to harm them. So he went out. This might be the most impressive thing that he did up to this point. He goes out. He catches 300 foxes. He ties them tail to tail in pairs. He fastens a torch to every pair of the tails, lit the torches, and let the foxes loose in the standing grain of the Philistines. He burned up the shocks, the standing grain, together with the vineyards and olive groves. In other words, the three main things that the Philistine economy was built on, he destroyed it in a moment. But here's my question. How long was he mad, stay mad, to gather 300 foxes? It's not like he just went, and called them and they just arrived. He was so mad. He stayed mad for maybe months, finding finding foxes, sticking them in a thing, coming up with a plan. Okay, they're about to harvest the grain. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tie these foxes together. They're biting him the whole time. It doesn't hurt him. He's Samson, right? He puts a torch in their their tails. He carries them to a strategic place, and he lets them go, right? And he absolutely destroys the economy of the Philistines because of his anger. It sounds awesome. The only problem is the result of what happens. Watch what happens next. This is, this is devastating. When the Philistines ask, who did this? Samson, the Timnite's son-in-law, because his wife was given to his companion. He's mad because his wife was given away to his friend because he left the first time in anger. And here's what happens. The Bible says, so the Philistines went up. And what did they do? They burned her and her father. This, this is the result of anger. My, my father-in-law and my, and my wife, who I went here to make things right because I spewed and stewed with my anger. I let it out. Now they're dead. And here's what's interesting. The Bible says that he goes on and he attacks the Philistines viciously and slaughters many of them. But here's the end result. But the Bible says that he goes down and he ends up in a cave and eat them. In other words, he ends up by himself, which interestingly enough is always the result of anger. Anger is an isolating emotion. Anger pushes away the people that you love most. Anger gets in the way of you being spiritually healthy. A- anger, when you live it out, when you spew, when you stew in it, when you just say, I'm just going to give in to my anger, it hurts somebody else. H- here's what scripture says. Man, it's, it's so much about anger. Watch what scripture says in Proverbs 29. Fools give full vent to the rage. Fool. It's not that you're not going to be in a situation where you rage, but fools give full vent to the rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. Watch what it says. An angry person stirs up conflict, and a hot person or a hot-tempered person commits many sins. So I just want to give you a few thoughts, things that I've been struggling with, because here's what I would say. Of all the things that I've talked about in the story of Samson, if I say, hey, man, uh, what's going to be your downfall? It's not going to be compromised for me. I'm pretty black and white. Uh, and I'm married to the blackest and whitest person in the world, Leah. Like she, I can't even put something in the wrong spot in the store anymore when she's not with me, right? You know what I mean? Like you get something, you're like, I don't want this. Just drop it off somewhere else. Like in my head, I hear, don't do it. You're not a Christian. You won't go to heaven. Put the ragu back, right? And like all this stuff. And so like compromise, I don't feel like I'm going to struggle with. Entitlement, I don't like I. I, I, I'm, I, I feel like I'm thankful and I'm grateful and, and I appreciate what God gave me and, and I see where we've come from at church and where we're like, and I, and so I don't feel like I'm ever getting, I don't get to the point of entitlement, but here's the thing, but anger, I struggle with that. that, that that's an emotion that uh, I have a hard time keeping a wraps. And if we're talking about 
getting to the point where you get angry, where you can literally destroy a marriage, or you can destroy kids, or you can destroy a career, or you can do something that you regret that you won't be able to take back. Like if I look at my life and I go, okay, how is Satan going to get me? How is he going to trip me up? It's going to be anger. I'm going to hide behind some things. I'm going to say I'm from Philly. I'm Italian, right? I, I, I got, I got, I'm hot-blooded. Like, it's just the way that I'm wired. But the truth is, the truth is I struggle with it. So I started thinking about a few things that I would tell myself that I want to tell you too, some thoughts that may anger you, right? Because you're so angry, you're getting, you're, you're so easily angered, you're going to get angry at me for talking about you being angry, Right? And you're going to say, I'm not, I don't have an angry problem. Like some of you sitting by somebody, you're like, I hope you're listening to this. And you're literally going, that's, that's not for me. You're still angry that I told you to sit. <laughs> I can't believe that guy wants us to be, you know, still. How dare he, right? And you're still mad about that? I don't got an anger problem, right? Some of you are angry because the coffee was empty when you walked. I don't got an anger problem. I'm fine. Let me just give you a couple thoughts. Number, number one is this. Number one, they're really simple. You got to come to terms with a few things in your life. And here's what I mean by that. You got to come to terms with the fact that uh, getting angry, being in situations that are going to make you angry, being around people that make you angry, just part of life. It's not going anywhere. You have a, you have a spouse, you have kids, you have a boss, you go to school, you drive, you breathe. You're not on a desert island. You're going to be in situations where it's just easier to get angry. You're going to be in moments where it's going, to, it's going to rub you the wrong way. Somebody's going to say something that it's going to be offensive to you. You don't even know why it's offensive. Somebody's not going to drive right, look right, talk right, eat right. Somebody doesn't walk right, right? Like, why do you walk like that? Stop walking like that, right? Right? Am I, am I right or am I wrong? Somebody's going to eat a bowl of cereal wrong in your house for the rest of your life. You know what I'm talking about if you struggle with that? They clink it all over the place. You're like, stop hitting the sides of the bowl or get a plastic one, right? I'm trying to relax. Somebody is always going to be making you mad. And anger, if you're not careful, is always going to be knocking at your door. Satan wants you to live an angry life. So you're going to have to come to terms with it in your life. I need to figure this out because it's always going to be there. Uh, y- y- years ago, I took my, my, my first son, went to Chuck E. Cheese. You guys remember Chuck E. Cheese? Chuck E. Cheese was awesome when I was a kid. And so I took him to Chuck E. Cheese and, uh, and we did the token thing and we did the, 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 the pizza thing and, and all that stuff where you, you, know, you pay 40 bucks. To do, do, do games, then you get a toy that costs 13 cents. Right? You know what I'm talking about? You know, we could have we literally bought that company that makes that. And so, with the 40 bucks. And so, you do that. And when we were, when we were there, we also bought him a helium blue, like a, a Chucky, right? And so, you, it's so funny they named it the, the, the guy Chucky, but whatever. And so, so Chucky, and we, 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 we took it home. We went to my brother's house after Chuck E. Cheese. We had some cake, and, uh, and we sang to him. He cried when we were singing to him. I'm like, this, this one I realized, this is going to be crazy life. And so, you're upset because we're singing happy birthday to you. And so uh, we had that on tape. It was super cute. And then at the end of the night, somehow uh, the balloon of Chucky ended up back at my mom and dad's house. They lived in Bartow, Pennsylvania, and they had this, uh, uh, this step-down family room. And we went there a few days later, and that was a good helium balloon. It was still floating in the air. And it was up kind of in the corner. It's about a nine and a half, ten-foot ceiling. We're sitting there. And my dad always had a ceiling fan on in, in the family room. So the ceiling fan is going, and that, that, that balloon has a life of its own. And uh, it's moving, and I see my two-year-old walk in. He sees Chucky. Chucky's smiling at him. Chucky's in one corner, but because of the velocity of the fan, Chucky's moving across the room. All of a sudden, Chucky is not cool anymore. 
is he's moving. He doesn't know why he's moving. He's playing. He's turning around. Chuck, he's moving around the room. I notice out of the corner of my eye that he's scared. So I did what any new dad would do. I took the balloon. I brought it down. I tied it to the back of his pants. <laughs> and I just watched him, like, you know, run around. And Chucky was following him. And it was just kind of entertaining, right? And so... And uh, we got rid of it then, and he's fine. We never went back to Chuck E. Cheese, but like, like that, Chucky always following you. He ran out to the kitchen, Chucky was there. He went into the living room, you know, the room you're not supposed to go in. I never went in there one time in my entire life. Chucky was there. Chucky was in the dining room, Chucky went to the, the, the powder room, Chucky was there. I just, listen, the Chucky's gonna be in your life. The family member gonna be there. Those drivers, they're not going anywhere. Your coworker, there. A parent, you don't get more than one or two, right? Like you, they're, they're there. They're going to be there. That spouse, that's, that's it. Your kids, they're your kids. Like there's going to be people in your life that rub you the wrong way. So you have to come to terms with your issues with, with anger. Here's number two. Number two, consider the possibility. Here's a, like, my wife will say this to me sometimes. I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be venting, right? Because that's what mature people do. They vent, right? You know, the Bible says fools do that. I do that all the time. I vent and I'll talk about somebody and I'll tell her what she's doing and I'll tell. And she'll say this. She'll say, have you ever considered the possibility and whatever she says next, I'm always like, no, I haven't, actually. <laughs> Have you ever considered the possibility that you're the problem? Me? Have you ever considered the possibility that you're the one that has the issues? Have you ever considered the possibility that spiritually you're not that mature? Have you ever considered the possibility that the Lord needs to do a work in you and not fix everybody else? Have you ever considered the possibility that maybe you're the one that needs to do some changing? And I'm just going to be honest, if I'm just really honest with you, and all of those, I always say no. If God would just do all these other things, I'd be fine. If he would just stop them from being annoying, if he would just make them drive faster, if he would just make them eat right, if he wouldn't let them look like that. God, why'd you make them look like that? Does their face look like that? God, right? You ever been there? Why do they act like that? Why do they talk like that? Why do they, why do, they do stuff like that? Why do they got to be so annoying? I'm so angry at them because I'm annoyed. And I'll even say I'm annoyed because I like to get cute with God. And if I say I'm annoyed, I'm like, listen, being annoyed sinful? Because anger is sinful, but annoyance is normal, right? And annoyance is just PG anger, right? Like it's, it's like, well, you've never been around Christian. They don't want to curse. So they say fudge off. You're like, really? We're going to do that to Hershey's, right? Like, well, same thing, like I'm just annoyed. No, no, I have an anger problem. I have issues. I need to grow up. I'm going to consider the possibility that I have work to do. In fact, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 7, don't be quickly provoked in your spirit for anger resides in the lap of fools. What if Samson went home in his anger and been like, dude, I was the problem. I shouldn't have been bragging about killing something and eating something I wasn't supposed to touch in the first place. Like, what if one time he would have been like, I, I'm, I'm, like, why, why how could I be angry? I'm not supposed to marry a Philistine person anyways. Like, this is actually really good for me. There's not one time Samson looked inside and was like, I, I should consider the possibility that maybe I have the problem. How much different would have his life turned out? If he would just consider the possibility that maybe he's the problem. In fact, John Maxwell says this. He said, leadership is taking responsibility where other people make excuses in their life. 
I'm going to take responsibility for my life where other people make excuses. And so the next time that I say, I only lost my temper because of what you did, or I only got mad because of what you said, or I'm only acting like this because of you, here's what I'm going to say. I'm in charge of my reactions and my responses. No one has the power to lead me to anger. I get angry because I'm responding like a fool. Feels good. I'm the fool in this situation. Satan keeps laying out the bait, and I keep taking it. I'm going to consider the possibility. Let me give you this two more. I'm going to call it what it is. I'm going to call it. I don't know if you notice or not, but we don't call anything what it is in our culture. Anybody ever coach kids in sports and your team is not very good? And at the end, you give them a participation trophy, and you tell them you did a great job? I think at some point, you should just tell kids, you guys suck this year. You got a lot of work to do if you want to win. Winning is tough. It takes everything from you. And guess what? It feels like life. Life will kick you in the throat. Won't ask any questions. Take your lollipop. Won't give you a participation trophy. Well, we do. It's, you did really good. You made a great effort. What if you just call stuff like it was? What, what if instead of me being like, yeah, I, I, got, I got mad or, you know, somebody annoyed me or, yeah, I kind of struggled. What if I just started calling it what it is? What if I just leaned into James chapter 4? What does James say? He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Watch what he says. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You know what he doesn't say? It's your neighbor, your coworker, your dad's dad's dad, your mom, your brother. What is it? It's within you. What does he say? You desire, but you don't have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You don't have because you don't ask God. Instead of going to God, you're worried about everybody else. Call it what it is in, in, in your life. What if you would just start saying, it's me giving into my sin nature. It's me being spiritually immature. It's me needing to go to a different, a different, different level, right? What if you were on a plane, the next time you're on a plane and, and turbulence hit and, you're, and, you're, and your pilot just said, man, let's just go. Let's just stay in this. What does the pilot do when turbulence hits? He changes his what? Altitude. And if the pilot changes the altitude, the whole attitude of the cabin changes. You don't feel like you're going to die anymore. But so many times, you just keep going. I'm just going to run through this anger. I'm just going to embrace it. What do you got to do? You got to change your spiritual altitude. You got to get a new outlook on life. You got to see life through a new filter. You got to understand the weight and the consequences of uncontrolled anger in, in, in your life. You got to consider the possibility. You got to call it what it is. And let me just give you one more thought. If you're really going to work through anger, you got to be conscious where you're typically challenged. See, one of the things about being self-aware and digging in is you begin to become more conscious of your life. And so I started thinking about my life. Why do I struggle with anger so much? Do I have the worst kids in the world? Do I literally drive on the slowest roads behind the slowest drivers in the world? Is my Wawa, you know, the worst Wawa in the world? Is my family, are they the most annoying? Is it, is it my family? Is it my life? Is it because I live in Philadelphia? Why, why is it that as a 42-year-old man, that it seems like this the one area of your life that you just can't, you can't get under control? It's funny because even last night, I got very typical routine. And so uh, on Saturday night, usually somewhere between six and seven, I retreat to my room. And uh, 
I open up my MacBook and set it on my bed and I ask for peace and quiet just for a couple minutes, which is really dumb ask, right? And so, but I open it up and I look at my, my sermon and last night when I opened it up, I was like, oh, I'm talking about anger. And uh, I noticed last night as I'm thinking about talking about anger that it just was like my, my, shoe, my, my fuse was shorter than ever. Anybody ever been there? Like, I'm going to talk about this, but I'm going to fail at this all the way up talking about it, right? That way I have experience with it, right? And so I'm yelling at this and pick this up and do this. And I'm like, I'm, I'm talking about anger. And meanwhile, I'm angry. I started thinking about it in my life. Why, why is this my go-to emotion? And I, and I, and I started thinking about me personally uh, being conscious of two areas that, that typically get me angry quickly. And the first one is this. I've noticed that I get angry where I feel threatened. Like threatened. So like last night I wanted quiet. And my kids threatened my quiet when I was trying to look at my sermon. And so what happens? The natural response is what? Is anger. I, 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 work, I work hard at my job and I want to I move up in the company and somebody comes to the company that feels like a threat to me moving up. So what's my natural response? It's anger. I, I want to get somewhere on time because I don't want to look negligent and irresponsible because I'm, actually, I'm always talking about leadership and one of the marks of a leader is being on time. But I didn't leave early enough to be earlier on time and now I'm getting stuck behind a slow driver. Every slow driver in Pennsylvania has found the, the car right that I'm in. And what's my response? I get angry. I'm threatened. If it's my finances, I'm getting, I'm getting threatened. You're threatening me as a person. And then the other thing I get, I get angry in is when I'm tired. Anybody else ever notice when you're tired, you just live angry? And here's the problem with being tired. Uh, being tired is the American way. We, we brag about being tired, right? We'll say this. Hey, how was your week? What do you say? It was so busy. It was like super, super productive though. Did you rest this week? What's, what's that? I'll rest when I'm dead. Even though the Bible says to remember the Sabbath, to keep it holy. Well, what does that mean? Hey, there's seven days in a week. One day a week, you better stop. If you don't stop and spend time with me, you're going to die. That's what the Bible is, implies. Like you're going you're to burn out. You're going to be stressed. You're going to be overwhelmed, right? We don't have time for that. We got to work. We got stuff to pay for. We got places to be, right? So we don't have time. We're tired. And when we're tired, we're constantly irritable and we're acting out. And I thought it was interesting because those are two things that only Jesus can solidify in my life. I started thinking about like, like uh, being threatened. Uh, the, the Bible says that Jesus, he's my provider, that Jesus has written out the days of my life. That he, he, the Bible says that he's the author and perfecter of my life. The Bible talks about the promises of God. The Bible talks about how he, he's with me, he's for me, he's not against me. So sometimes I got to remind myself as I'm feeling threatened, like, no, God is, God's for me. I'll say this off to myself. There's nothing God wants to bring into my life that anybody can stop from getting there. No man can stop God's plan for my life. And all of a sudden, when I start to proclaim the promises, because that's, all of a sudden, I feel less and less threatened in my life. I feel more, more calm. And then the, the tired thing, one of my favorite verses in Scripture is, is the Bible says, come to me if you're weary and heavy laden. That's the words of Jesus. I'll give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what do I do when, I, when I'm feeling tired? I got to rest in you. I, I got to lean on you. 
I, I got to seek your face. I got to hear from your word. I got to be in your presence. And all of a sudden, what happens? I'm feeling restful. restful. I, I'm feeling at peace. When I, when I spend time with the Lord, I feel protected. I, I, I feel like he'll make a way where there seems to be no way. I, I, I feel like he'll open up the right doors in my life. And if he opens them up, there's nobody that can get in the way of closing them. But sometimes he closes them. And when he closes them, then I got to wait. And when I'm waiting, I'm going to feel at rest and I'm going to feel peace. That's why I love that song. While I'm waiting for you to do what I know you're going to do, I'm going to rest in you. I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going to be bitter. I'm not going to be overwhelmed. And all, all of a sudden, I'm being conscious. And so I'm going into a situation. And as I start to overreact to it, I'm going, okay, I'm feeling threatened here, but is God still here? Is God in control? Yes, he's in control. So let me just not give in to that. I'm feeling tired right now. Why am I so tired? When's the last time I spent time with the Lord? When's the last time I sat at his feet? When's the last time I opened up his word? When's the last time I made time for the one who's in control of the time of my life? Oh yeah, I didn't do that today. I don't know if you ever noticed that, but if you don't spend time with the Lord before the world gets to you, the world always gets to you. Are you with me? Like before the world even knocks at your door in the morning, I'm spending time with the Lord. I'm prepared. <laughs> That's not happening again. You're not making me mad. I've been with the Lord. I'm filled with peace. I have joy, unspeakable joy. I, I, I got, I've been comforted by his promises. I'm okay. I'm not going to freak out. He's in control. Could you imagine if, if, if like Samson, he just would have went home and been like, I'm going back to the promises. I'm keeping it simple. He's called me to be a judge. He's in control of my life. He's guided and directed my steps. He's given me grace where I failed. I'm not going back there. I'm going forward. His life is different. Instead, he walks into disaster because he's crippled by anger. Would you stand to your feet and would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Just all over this place, would you just remain in this, this stillness and just uh, give the Lord just a few more moments, just a few more moments. Just right now in this place, um, maybe you struggle with what I'm talking about. You just do. Maybe, maybe you are starting to see yourself struggle with it more. I found that to be true in my life. Like if you would have said, hey, you're 22 years old. Do you struggle with anger? I would have said, no, man, I'm not an angry person at all. But the requirements of life, the stress of the burdens that you carry, um, the pain that you endure through life, it has a way of molding you if you're not careful, not into the person that the Lord called and created you to be, but into a person that's, that's loaded up and burdened with baggage, anger. And you see yourself acting out. Some of you, you you've even said this. You, you, had a, you, had a, you had a parent that was super angry, and you were like, I'm never going to do that. And you found yourself doing that. So, some of you, you're struggling right now. You're just angry at life. It's not even a person. You're angry at a situation. Um, and it's, it's causing dissension and and pain in your relationships, and if you're honest, you're just, you're tired of it. You're ready for a change. And you've tried. you tried breathing exercises. You've tried counselors. You've read books. You've meditated, right? Tried to find your inner strength. None of that helps. Because it's found in Christ. He, he, he's the one that takes from us our burdens. He's, he's the one that brings us peace. He, he, he's the one that heals us. 
He's the one that'll do the work in us so that we can see the fruit outside of us. So maybe you would agree. Maybe there's more in your life. Maybe you have another word that you would say, here's what brings me to anger. But maybe you would, you would, that spoke to you. Man, I've been threatened in my life. I feel like people have taken things from me. They robbed me of who I was supposed to be. And I want to remind you what scripture says. The Bible says that God, he can work all things together for good. He can take the worst of your life the hardest moments of your life and somehow weave those into purpose. If you would just lay it at his feet. Maybe some of you tired in this place. Man, you can feel it. You are spiritually weary. And you know the answer. I just got to get into the presence of Jesus. Listen, friend, he's here. And he loves you. He wants you to know him. He wants you to understand and know that he knows you. That he is interested in your life. That he's the one that can heal you. He's the one that can set you free. He's the one that can restore. He's the one that brings purpose. He can bring joy. Some of you have never felt real joy. It's felt broken. But God is the restorer of joy. And here's what it begins with. It begins with knowing him. It begins with giving your, your life to him. The Bible says if you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. That's an action-based step. That Jesus is Lord. That he came and died on the cross for your sins, for your baggage, for your hurt. That he was placed in a tomb and on the third day he rose in power. That if you would believe in him, that he would heal you. He would forgive you. He would set you free. So maybe you're here today, you don't know him. And I need to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I need to ask him to heal me. I need to step out of this this imprisonment of, of anger in my life. I'm tired. Anger, anger turns into a lot of things. Bitterness, resentment, hatred. The Bible says when you have all those things, you have discord. You have disunity. You have brokenness in all relationships. The filter of your life looks like death. Everything you see is impacted by that anger. So I'm going to lay it at the feet of the Lord. I'm going to give it to Jesus today. I'm going I'm to believe that he's healing, that he's powerful, and that he's going to make me whole. Come on, if you're in this place, you say, hey, that's me. I don't know Christ, but what you're talking about is me. And I'm ready to lay it down at the feet of Christ. I need to walk away from this place and give him my anger. Give him my confusion. Give him my bitterness. Give him my resentment. I want to be free today from this. And I believe freedom is found in Jesus Christ. If that's you all over this place, if you're in Montgomeryville and you say, hey, pastor, that's me. If you're online and you would say, that's me, I want you to do something all over these houses with everybody's head bowed and everybody's eyes closed. If you say, hey, you're speaking to me, I'm struggling with anger. I want to walk out of this place free today. I need to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. All over these houses, would you just shoot your hand straight towards heaven and say, hey, that's me, pastor. I'm struggling heavily with anger. I see a hand right here. Yes, I see your hand here. Another hand, another hand. Hands over here. Another hand back here. Come on, let's just keep our hands up. Let's just keep our hands up all over this place. Another hand right here. Is there anybody else? Hey, church, would you just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed? Come on, another hand right here. Another hand. Yes, yes, yes. Here in Montgomeryville, would you just keep your hand held high? Just keep your heads bowed for one more moment with me. Just keep your heads bowed for one more moment. Now, here's what I want you to do. I love, I love the posture of raised hands, and here's why. Raised hands is the posture of surrender. Surrender. God can't do nothing in your life outside of surrender. That's why we lift our hands in worship. 
I surrender to the one who's bigger than me, greater than me. And what you're surrendering here today is, is your will and your desire to hold on to your anger. Your decision to receive freedom in the name of Jesus. That's what you're surrendering. I'm going to give to Jesus my pain, and he's going to give to me forgiveness and grace. And here's what's so cool. He's not taking you at your best, right? He's meeting you at your lowest. That's what he does. He meets you at your lowest, but he doesn't leave you there. Something's going to change today. Something's going to begin to be healed. I believe somebody is going to be released from that, that imprisonment of anger and bitterness in a moment when we speak the name of Jesus. It's going to happen. So all over this place, if you raised your hand, and maybe you didn't, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, maybe, maybe you would just in this moment, maybe you would just lift both hands towards heaven and right now say, I just surrender. I surrender Jesus to you. In Montgomeryville, I surrender my anger. Anger. Maybe, maybe you're already a Christian and, and, and uh, you, you've been holding on to something. You're just going to lift your hands towards heaven. Lord, I give you everything that I am. I give you my anger. I give you uh, my bitterness. I, 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 I give you my desire to want to, to want to get even with somebody, Lord. I'm tired of carrying that all around. Jesus Christ, come into my life. Be my healer. Make me whole. Forgive me and set me free. That's what the Bible says. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom in the name of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, right now we're receiving that freedom. We're receiving that grace. Lord, we're receiving that hope. And, Lord, for somebody in this place, Lord, I pray a, a special anointed prayer of joy, Lord. There's somebody in this place that has never experienced eternal, life-changing, godly-built joy in their life. And so right now you're filling them from the very bottom of their feet to the top of their head. They can actually feel it, this joy that is filling their life. Lord, where it's felt like this dark cloud has been over them for their entire existence existence on this planet. They're going to leave this place. They're going to be a brand new person in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for how you move, how you speak, how you change, how you comfort, how you convict, and ultimately how you send us back into this world to make a difference for you. Jesus, we thank you for all that you've done. In your name that we pray. One more time. Let's shout amen together. Let's clap together one more time. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.